Thank you, Dave, and all the praise team, and all of you uh, new choir members. And uh, I was told it was open choir, but I wasn't allowed, so I don't know how open it is, but uh, I don't sing so well. No, we're uh, glad that you chose to worship with us today. And uh, I'm going to invite you to uh, open up your Bibles to Malachi. Okay, Malachi, we're going to be there in a moment. Uh, If you want to turn there, Malachi chapter 3. We have uh, been in this series. This is now our third uh, week. Um, and the title of the series is Blessed Life. And of course, I want you to understand something that it's not really, um, I don't know, it's funny, I listened, to, I listened to several messages this week of different guys that preached on uh, tithing and on giving. And uh, so I, every, almost every one of them, almost every preacher that I listened to made a similar statement as um, this is not something they necessarily enjoy doing, like talking about money, right? And, and there's like this kind of this tension, you know, we talked about it last week about you can look at it as either the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. And so uh, here, here's kind of the tension for me is that I know that many people kind of struggle or wrestle or um, don't like the idea maybe about talking about money or giving but, but here's where I'm coming from. When we talk about this idea of a blessed life, is that I strongly believe that what, if we will be obedient to the principles God gives us in Scripture, particularly about our money, that God will bless us. And so it's not from the perspective of, hey, the church wants your money. It's not from the perspective that, hey, God needs your money. It's from the perspective of, I truly believe that if you will apply the, these biblical principles, that God will bless your life. And so that's how um, I can get past the tension, okay? Because I do believe that it's for your good. I believe it's for your good, and ultimately it is for His glory. And so we're gonna, we talked the last two weeks about generosity. We've talked about uh, having a generous heart, a generous spirit on your uh, bulletin. I encourage you to get your bulletin out this morning and take some notes. and, uh, and, And so as you're getting your bulletin out, uh, I apologize Wednesday night to one of our members. Uh, I was uh, attacked Wednesday night by a said member. Okay, attack's not the right word, but he came to me and said, you called me a woman on Sunday. I'm like, whoa, do what? I was like, what are you talking about? Got their Bible out and the Bible was full of bulletins. (laughs) And remember, if you were here last week, I said, I think it's a girl thing to have all your Bible full of bulletins. And uh, so I had to confess that my, uh, my study, my research on this uh, subject was that my wife has a Bible full of bulletins, and I don't. That was the extent of my research. So I'm going to have some research today. I will not speak out of ignorance any longer. How many of you have a Bible full of bulletins? Raise your Bible and your, if you can lift it full of bulletins. All right, put your hand up. We got to look around. I, I'm trying to see how many men there are in the room. Okay, so you men, I'm sorry. I was wrong, okay? Apparently, I was wrong. I also have a confession to make. Um, if you remember last week, I showed a toy from my dog. You guys remember that? I was talking about money and how much money we spend and that, you know, we spend way more on things that don't matter than we give to the Lord. 
And uh, so I got a text. I didn't know where the toy came from. I just found it in the floor on Sunday as I walked out the door. And, uh, and, and I got a text from my mother-in-law that said, we will no longer be giving Coco toys for Christmas. We will be donating to missions in his name. So that's the truth. That's the text. I could show you if you want. So we've been talking about generosity. We want to specifically talk this morning about tithing. All right, so in your bulletin, in your outline there, we're going to talk about tithing. And so just kind of some basic things. Tithing means 10%, all right? A tithe is 10%. So if someone asks you, well, can I tithe only 5%? Well, technically, no, all right? Tithe is 10%, all right? And we, I, I could spend an entire message on, on just talking about first fruits and um, and, and that, that tithe, I believe, is, is, is tied together with the idea of first fruits, that we're to give our first fruits to God. That's what belongs to God, and the first fruits being 10%. And so those are tied together, that 10% off the top. Um, and Dave Ramsey talks about this in Financial Peace. He said, uh, people come to him and say, well, I'm a hard time, you know, by the end of the month, I don't have the money to give my tithe and my 10%. And and, and he says most people need, you need to flip your budget upside down, right? That if tithing or giving is not up on the top, then it's probably not going to happen, is it? Uh, because the truth is, most of us, that the average American, and this statistic is a little old, but the average American spends $1.14 for every dollar they make. Okay, so think about that for a moment. If you wait till the end... Most likely there's nothing at the end, right? You guys know what you feel like at the end of the month, right? And so tithe is a 10%, and I believe it's 10% off the top. It's tied with the first fruits, all right? So just kind of get that basic understanding out of the way. Now, one of the questions that a lot of people might ask is, well, I thought tithe was an Old Testament thing under the law, and that now we are in the New Testament the age of grace, and so do I need to tithe any more, right? So we're going to kind of address some of those questions and, and talk about that. It's interesting, though, that when, when, when Jesus, so, and, and here's just me kind of expressing what I believe, all right, what I think. A lot of times, not, not everyone, but most of the time when someone argues with me, this is my personal um, experience, most of the time when people argue with me about, well, we're under grace, I don't have to give a tithe anymore. Most of the time, their perspective is to get out of giving a tithe. Okay, so that's most of the time, not always. Some believe in grace giving, and, and those who are correct and believe in grace giving, they believe in this way. So in the New Testament, when we're under grace, the standard of righteousness was always higher under grace than it was under law. Amen. Okay, so when Jesus said in Matthew 5.21, the law says don't murder, and I said don't be angry. So he's raised the standard of righteousness. Jesus said, you may have heard, don't commit adultery, okay, law. But I say, don't lust. The standard, again, is raised. And so if you read Matthew chapter 5 there, you're going to see in every instance, what was under the law, there was a requirement, a standard. When we got to grace, Jesus raised the standard. Okay, so if we, I'm okay if you believe in grace giving, if you believe in the fact that God has raised the standard. But the truth is, most of the people that I've had the argument with, it's most of them trying to get out of giving. 
Okay, so it's kind of a different perspective here, right? So let's walk through this, all right? Now, how many of you guys are like me? When you went to school, there was many days you showed up for school and you heard the rumblings. People were studying for a test and you had the question, what test? Anybody can identify with that? How many of you have like these reoccurring dreams? Anybody have reoccurring dreams? Okay, somebody in our new members class, and I won't tell them, they, they said that last night they were, their dream was that they were wrestling a hog at night, and their wife kept waking them up. So that's, uh, like throwing your wife off the bed, not a good idea, okay? I, I said, I'm not going to tell you who it was, all right? Now, how many of you, again, raise your hand, have a reoccurring dream? So I've had this reoccurring dream for a long time, and sometimes it's so real that I, I wake up and I think, did, like even now, is, is that a memory that I have of life experience or a dream? And my reoccurring dream that I have a lot uh, is that I'm at school and I can't find my class. Anybody ever had that, that thought? So when we're thinking about this, I've showed up at class a lot of times not prepared. We have a test. And, and we were talking about this in our new members class earlier. When, when I was in school, uh, we didn't have Google. Okay? I couldn't just Google the answers. Now, how many of you in this section over here, you uh, have used technology to aid you in test taking? Confession. Everybody raise your hand, all right? Anybody else? The rest of us, maybe you're going back to school. I, we didn't have that technology. I... People say that I write really neat. I say I have the ability to write very neat. I don't always, but that came from learning to write really small so I could have a cheat sheet. That's just, that was before Google, all right? So I want you to understand, number one here, tithing is a test. I want you to be prepared for this test, all right? So I'm doing this, honestly, for your benefit, all right? Tithing is a test, all right? So you're in Malachi chapter 3. Let's read verse 6. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Aren't you thankful for the fact that God doesn't change? The choir this morning sang that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. David made the statement that even though we change, we fail, we mess up, God never changes. God is always faithful. Can we say amen to the faithfulness of God? Just that he never changes. Verse 7, or excuse me, let's finish verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. You get what God is saying here in this verse? Because I don't change, because I'm a God of mercy and a God of love, that's why you're still alive. You see what he's saying? Because I don't change, therefore, because I don't change, I haven't killed you. You're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Why, why is God thinking that, that he should judge the people. Verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Right? So the ordinances, the decree. I, I heard one pastor uh, describe the ordinances as an ordinary practice for a believer. Right? So it's an understanding of this principle that ordinary followers of God are going to obey or follow. This ordinance. And so God is saying, you better be glad I don't change and that I'm faithful because otherwise I would have killed you. Why? Because you have stopped participating or following 
or practicing my ordinance. You have not kept them. Verse 7, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? In other words, what ordinances are we not following? What ordinary practices of belief are we not following that you're upset with us about? Then verse 8, God says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So just kind of follow that train of thought here. God says, you better be glad I don't change. I'm a God of mercy. Otherwise, you'd be consumed. Because you're not following the ordinary practices that a follower of God should be following. A lot of follows there. You got it? Return to me. Well, how have we not, how have we gone astray from you, God? Well, you've robbed me. Well, have you, how have we robbed you? Uh, none of us would, in, I don't think, any of us would intentionally rob God, right? But what does God say? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings, referring to the ordinances that they're not practicing anymore. Okay, so number one here is this test. Tithing is a test. Now let me make this statement, a couple of statements here. Tithing is an indicator of spiritual life. It's not the only indicator, but it is an indicator. We've read this the last two weeks in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, uh, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You're gonna, your money's going to go to what you worship. That's another way of, of saying Matthew 6, 21. Your money's going to go to what you worship. Another statement, I know people who are generous that are not spiritual, but I don't know a lot of truly spiritual people who aren't generous. Another way of putting that, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So this this test, let's continue in verse 8. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have you robbed in tithes and offerings? Verse 9, you were cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. There's going to be consequences for not following the ordinances that God has given. This principle of tithing. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open your windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, there will be no room enough to receive it. Now I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will... Not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 10. Here's an interesting thought. So tithing is a test of your heart. Tithing is a test of your heart. Do do I really trust God? We talked last week in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The the scripture there, David says, I adore you as being in control of all things. Riches and honor come from you alone, and it is by your hand that men are made great and given power. The acknowledgement that God is the owner of everything, that everything I have is a gift from God. So it's this this thought of ownership or stewardship. Do I own what I have or am I simply a steward of what God has blessed me with? Scripturally, biblically, we are taught everything we have is a gift from God. We are not owners. We are stewards. We're managers. And so the test, do I believe that everything I have is from God, is the tithe. 
Because it is a step of faith. I'm going to take the top 10%, the top, before I write any other bill, before I pay anything else, I'm going to set it aside and I'm going to bring it to the Lord. And I'm going to give it to the Lord. It's a test. Do I, do I believe that God is in control? Do I believe that God can bless me, can provide for me, can protect me, can bless me? But it's a two-way test. Look at verse 10. It says, try me in this. So God is kind of angry with them, and he says, you better be glad I'm a merciful God. Otherwise, I would have destroyed you because you're not following the ordinance of tithing. You've robbed me. And then he says, try me. Test me. So it's not only a test for us and our faithfulness to God, but it's also a test to God and his faithfulness to us. Now, who's more faithful, you or God? Will God ever let you down? No. Try me. Test me. Another translation. Prove me. Another translation. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you windows of heaven and pour out you such blessings, there will be no room to receive it. So this principle is taught. Tithing is a test. The the second one, and we need to walk through these pretty quickly, but the second one, tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. Turn to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Now again, this is kind of answering the question of grace or law. I thought tithing was only a thing that was done under the law. Okay, so let's kind of walk through this. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20. And as you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of background. Abraham has had victory. He's went and restored uh, his uh, nephew Lot, and Lot was captive, and, and God gave Abraham victory. And so this is where we pick up the story. Verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, he was the priest of God most high, all right? So the priest at the time, Abraham has this great victory. He defeats another king. He gets Lot back. In verse 19, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. So he's making this statement. God has blessed Abraham, and God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Again, the sovereignty of God, the understanding that God owns everything. Verse 20, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So the acknowledgement that God blessed Abraham to give him victory. So what is, David, what is Abraham's response? The last part of verse 20. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. So to the victor goes the... You guys are asleep. To the victor go the... Very good. Abraham gets the spoils of war, the victory, and what does he do with it? Tithes. Why is he tithing? It's an acknowledgement that God is sovereign over all, a possessor of heaven and earth. And he's tithing out of gratitude. God, you gave me this blessing. God, you gave me the victory. God, you gave me the spoils. I understand that what I have came from you, and so I'm going to give back. And Abraham is a picture of our spiritual father, right? Melchizedek is a picture of who? Jesus. 
Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. So again, Abraham has had this great victory. He gets the spoils of war. Melchizedek, the priest, the king, blesses him, reminds him that the blessing of victory came from God. The response out of gratefulness and thankfulness, Abraham tithes. He gives a 10%. Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, okay, Salem being peace, and you'll read that again in a moment. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High of God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth, part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and also the king of Salem, meaning king of peace. I won't take time to read the rest of that, but I just point out here, Melchizedek being the picture of Jesus, it says here's the king of what? Righteousness and the king of peace. And Abraham, based on the fact that he believed that the victory came from God, the spoils came from God, because everything comes from God, what is his natural response to tithe, to give? And this is almost 500 years before the law came into being. Right? So the point here is that before there was law, there was the principle of tithing. Abraham, our spiritual father, tied to Melchizedek, the, the picture of Jesus. Again, so it's this principle. We think about what God said. Be glad that I don't change because if I wasn't going to show you mercy, I would destroy you because you haven't practiced the ordinances, the principle of tithing. Seems kind of like a big deal, Right? Genesis 28, 22, and, and uh, it's just referenced there. I'm not going to turn there. Let me read it for you, though. Genesis 28, 22, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I surely will give a tenth to you. This is Jacob. Okay, this is the grandson of Abraham. And what is he continuing to practice that he saw his grandfather do? Tithe. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land, nor the fruit of the tree, the Lord's, it is, it is the Lord's, excuse me, it is holy to the Lord. Think about that phrase, it is holy to the Lord. Now, let me read another passage of Scripture. Again, this is on your outline, <clears throat> the reference. Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 2. And it shall be when you come into the land which your Lord God has given you as inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from the land that the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord God chooses to make his name abide. Talks about the first fruits and where are they supposed to take it? Wherever the presence of God is, the, the, the temple, the tabernacle. All right, continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 13 through 15. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the strangers, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, when life, when, when life was difficult, I didn't stop tithing. I didn't eat off of it, nor have I removed any of it for unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord God and done according to all that you have commanded. 
But in Leviticus 27, verse 30, and Deuteronomy 26, 13, the phrase is used, holy. It is holy to the Lord, Leviticus 27. I have removed the holy tithe from my house, Deuteronomy 26. And the word holy means set apart. Set apart for God's use. What is that referencing there? It gives us, again, the understanding of first fruits. Whatever God has given to me, 10% is set apart for who? God. For him. For his use. Again, it's this principle of tithing, first fruits. Now, let's look at this in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus As you see on your outline there, it says, Jesus affirms the tithe. Jesus affirms the tithe. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Right, so Jesus is calling them out here, and he's saying, look, you tithe on the smallest little income. Even to the smallest detail, you tithe. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And how does he wrap up this part, this statement? These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So what is, what is, what is Jesus affirming here? That we should have mercy and faith and justice, but also we should what? Tithe. It's a principle before the law, it's a principle of the law, and then Jesus here affirms it after the law in grace. It's biblical. Number three, tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Turn to 2 Chronicles 29. 2 Chronicles 29. As you turn there, I want to kind of give you uh, some background here, all right? So background of Second Chronicles, we're going to see uh, the statement of um, Hezekiah. Hezekiah here, it says in chapter 29 that he was the king, right? He was a king at age 25, right? So kind of young, but it also says that, that King Hezekiah was, did right before the Lord. Now, as you have studied the history of Israel, you know that many of their kings were not good. Many of them did not follow the, the Lord. And as Hezekiah comes into reign, that's been what his predecessors have been about, not about God. And so it makes a point in Second Chronicles 29 to say Hezekiah became king when he was 25. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, his mother. And in verse 10 it says, he did what was right on the side of the Lord according to all this father David had done. So it kind of, if you read those chapters, he kind of starts setting things back in order. So they had stopped worshiping, they had stopped uh, observing the Lord, they had stopped worshiping God, they hadn't been going to the temple. It says there they reinstated the Passover, began temple worship again there in chapter 29, chapter 30. And that's where we pick up in chapter 31 as Hezekiah is trying to get the nation of Israel back on track. If we think about the verses we read to begin... When God said in Malachi, be glad I'm merciful and I do not change, otherwise I've destroyed you because you don't practice the ordinances that I've taught you, the principles that I've taught you. 
Hezekiah, when he comes in to be the king, that could be said of his generation. They had forgotten the ordinances of the Lord. And so here in in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4, he's going to reinstate the tithe. And up in this point, Israel has has faced um, drought, famine. They have not been blessed. And in verse 4, he says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute uh, support for the priests and the Levites, that they might uh, devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Let's, let's get back to God's word. Let's get back to the teachings of our fathers. As soon as the commandments, verse 5, was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance, and here we see the first fruits of grain and wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So King Hezekiah sees the nation is not where it should be. They're not following God, and so he reinstates the tithe. Verse 6, and the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which are consecrated to the Lord. Their God they laid in heaps. The third month they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. And these are references to the times of harvest. So we see Hezekiah reinstating this principle of tithing. But what's the result? Verse number 8, when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. In other words, all the people had brought their tithe, and it was like a massive amount of, that God had allowed them to give. And look at the response of Hezekiah, verse 9. Hezekiah questioned the priests, Levites, concerning the heaps. And most people would, would translate this or kind of apply this in the thought that Hezekiah was like, okay, so we have been through famine. I've reinstated the tithe. Now people are tithing and we have all this abundance. So do people have anything to live on? How is it possible that we have all of this, this the word they use, heaps of what people have given? Look at verse 10. Then Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have had plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. You see the transition has taken place. A nation had forgotten God. They did not practice the ordinance that God told them, specifically of tithing. No blessings. Famine. The king reinstates the tithe, and it's kind of funny because he's kind of blown away by the response, isn't he? Like, where did all this come from? And what did the chief priest say? Since the moment that you reinstated the tithe and the people were faithful to obey what God has already told them to do and practice the principle of tithing, we have this abundance. God's blessings. I told you I listened to a couple messages, and one of them I listened to was Robert Morris, and he made this statement. And at first, it kind of, uh, I kind of wrestled with it, and then I would have to say that in my experience, I would agree. Now, he's had more years of experience than I have regarding tithing. He teaches on tithing. He writes books on tithing. And he made this statement, talking about giving generosity and tithing 
And he said that it boils down to two testimonies regarding the area of our finances. And, and here's the two testimonies that said that, that he's experienced over and over and over again. And as I kind of process through it, I would say, yeah, I agree. And this is the first one. The testimony that says, I'm so blessed to be able to tithe because I do tithe. It's, it's been my privilege over the years to talk to people who are older than me, some much older than me. And those that have been faithful to tithes to God, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, you know I've never talked to one of them that said they regretted it. Not one. In fact, most would say exactly that statement. I was just blessed to be able to give. So that's one area of testimony. And here's the second one. I can't afford to tithe. And then I I thought, do you think maybe there's a correlation between those? What happened in Chronicles? When they didn't tithe, they didn't have. When they did tithe, it's good English, they did have. Right? So, so as I process, I, here, here's the two statements. I'm so blessed to be able to tithe, and I'm glad I tithe. Or I can't afford to tithe, and so I wonder, is there a correlation between the two? First fruits. tithe. There's that statement on your outline. Martin Luther said, I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. The test. Are you going to be faithful to God? The test you give him when you are faithful to him is, God, are you going to be faithful to me? Is God faithful? Malachi 3.6 says, I am a God who does not change. So, when I come to the end of my life, and someone younger than me questions me, I want to have that testimony. I never regretted it. In fact, I wish I would have done more. So the question on the bottom of your outline is real simple. Are you passing the test? God is faithful. And I tell you and spend three weeks talking about this subject again as I started out this morning to say, it's not because the church wants your money. It's not because God needs your money, because guess what? He don't need your money. I truly believe that if you will bless God, he will bless you. And you will have a blessed life. It's a test. How are you doing? Would you you close your eyes with me this morning? As you have your eyes closed, I I wanted to make one more statement. I don't believe tithing is the finish line. I think tithing is the starting blocks. It's a starting point. 
I'm so thankful in this church that we have many people who have not only tested God by tithing, but go way beyond that. And they enter what I would say grace giving. Giving above even the tithe. But I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe for you this morning, it's like, wow, 10%. Will you test God? He's faithful. It's, it's his word. He says he will be faithful to you. Test me. This morning... Our invitation time will be a little different. We'll sing as we normally do. But this morning, I, this whole week, as I was thinking Friday and I watched the, uh, the inauguration and all the festivities, and I just couldn't help but think how blessed we are to live in this country. And I, I hear the uh, people with allegiance to our country, and rightly so, and how, how grateful we are to live in a country that even though we have differing, differing views, we can peacefully transition power. But here, here was what was more prodding on my heart. Not just my allegiance to America, but my loyalty to God. I'm blessed that I live in a country that allows me to have freedom to worship a holy, righteous God. And so this morning, this is what I want you to do. In a moment, we're going to stand. And I'm going to ask you, as we begin this new year, would you come forward this morning and just thank God that you live in a free country? And would you thank God for Jesus? Because great is his faithfulness. Could we as a church this morning just come before God as a church and say, God, this year we want to see you do greater things. God, we want to love you more. We want to share you more. We want to be faithful to a faithful God. God, I thank you for this day. And God, I am so blessed. Thank you for allowing me to be faithful, Lord, acknowledging that I'm only faithful because you're faithful to me. Lord, I do pray that as a church, we would be like the people who followed Hezekiah, that we would be faithful to you in our giving. Lord, I know there's some in here this morning that have never done it, and you're challenging them too. Lord, give them the faith that you will provide, that they will test you in this. Lord, but we come this morning, and we, we want to thank you for our freedom, and we want to thank you for Jesus. Bless this time this morning as we just cry out to you. I'm going to ask you this morning to stand, and as Dave begins to sing, would you just come seek the Lord this morning?